Welcome to this episode of Through the Educational Looking Glass. I am one of your hosts, Courtney Edelman. And I'm your other host, Don Sturm. We're both in coaching roles in Morton Unit School District 709 in Central Illinois. Thanks for joining us as we try to gain clarity on the variety of topics concerning teachers today. Let's take a closer look at today's topic. Today's topic is looking at the responsibility of teaching the students in front of us. So uh, pretend that this is like a newsroom. Okay. NBC News, the 24th of October. Here's the headline. Test scores dropped to lowest level in decades during pandemic, according to a nationwide exam. And within that news story, uh, they tested fourth through eighth graders, 450,000 of them in the National Assessment of Educational Progress. And in eighth grade math, in 2022, 26% were at or above uh, grade level. And in 2019, that number was 34% that were at or above. And of course, they had to add, that's the largest drop in the history of the test, which began in 1969. Uh, Reading in fourth grade, 2022, 33% were proficient or above in reading. And in 2019, 35% were proficient or above. So a couple of percentage drop there. I think I'm going to turn the station Right. With those results, it it paints a pretty bleak picture of things. Yeah. Especially when you say things like the largest drop in the history. Sure. Yeah. And that's been a long time. 1969. That's uh, when I entered the world. So, yeah, that's been a long time. Um, You know, it's interesting as we jump into this topic and we are going to we'll come back to this idea of learning loss. I, I find it interesting that. Coming out of the pandemic, this is something, like, it, it makes sense. This is something, where are our kids at in comparison to where they were at some other point in history? But in some ways, it, I think we've always been focusing on what students need in the next year, or the next two years, or the next three years, and we don't always or we haven't always acknowledged where students are at. I mean, we're, we were always preparing them for the next grade level. So when I taught 11th grade, when you and I taught together, I don't know how many times we said, when you go to college, yep. you're going to need this. And I can't help but think, were we ignoring where they were at at that point for the sake of getting them to some point in the future? Um, well, and I think, you know, it's, Teachers don't want to be criticized for not preparing them for the next level. We take that responsibility very seriously to make sure that we're sending students out of our classrooms into whatever challenge awaits them with that preparation and the skill set that they need. Um, Honestly, that's why some articulation meetings can be difficult when you're meeting with with teachers across different grade levels um, because you feel very personal about the job you're doing and the student product that you're putting out. Well, and I don't think it's just high school that does it. You know, eighth grade teachers probably talk about, oh, if you're going to go to high school. Yep. And the sixth grade teachers do it when you go, because we work on a K to six building, pre-K to six, a junior high and then a high school. So I'm sure eighth grade teachers are always talking about what you need in high school and fifth grade teachers are talking about what you need moving to sixth grade. And I cannot help but be reminded of the student that I interviewed last year going from 
third to fourth grade, I think, and he was scared to death to go into fourth grade because everybody talks about how hard math is. And so I'm sure the teacher unknowingly was saying things like, oh my gosh, when you get to the next level, you're going to have to, you know. So I think we've all, there's always been an element of that, but I think it's more timely now because we've gone through some interesting times over the last couple of years now. Well, and we have this new term, learning loss, uh, that's been coined to really describe this. And, you know, as we were talking about it, I thought you had an interesting point or question that you posed. Yeah, like how do you lose something that you've never had? Right. So in some ways, and other people have kind of um, had that that same reaction that really using that term, which has been widely used at this point, um, maybe is not the most accurate representation of what we're really talking about. Uh, Some in that case have chosen to describe it as interrupted learning. Right. What interruption have we faced that now we can use to to try to pinpoint what was missed that otherwise in a more normal um, time would have been achieved. Yeah. And, and I am a pretty active on Twitter and there's, there have been debates. There continue to be debates over, is it learning loss? Is it interrupted learning? Is it just life? I mean, it, it happened. And I think that's where that, this episode comes from that idea of we didn't use learning loss in the title. It really is to think about how you, teach those kids who are in front of you at the moment that they're in front of you. So now with all of that being said, let's just, let's say we label it. What we can see are several areas where whatever you're going to name it, where it has an impact in those um, areas. We did reach out to some of our teachers and ask them essentially a question that said, how are the group of students in front of you today different than a group, the group of students that you would have had prior to 2020. So as we move forward, we're going to integrate some of their, uh, their quotes in. And so the first area is just very simply the academic area. Um, we had a kindergarten teacher who actually is going to appear throughout this. She, she offered a, a number of responses. Yeah, and really good insights. Oh, I yeah. Yeah. And she said, many of my students did not attend preschool, more so than in years prior to COVID. If they did, they learned fundamental concepts like letters and sounds from a teacher with a mask. In either case, this year's group has had the lowest percentage of students knowing any or all of their letters and sounds that I've ever taught. And a third grade teacher also reached out in response and said, I think generally about the classroom as a whole rather than individual subjects. And as a result, I would say the willingness to productively struggle and take risks. It takes a lot more coaching to get students to work through a difficult task, especially at the beginning of the year. And so those are big ch- academic challenges. And I mean, we had a very small sample size of um, teachers that we asked about this and that we got feedback from. It would be fascinating to ask that across the across the spectrum of our K-12 buildings. Well, and, and again, being on Twitter and listening or reading people's tweets, it's it's math, it's language arts, it's, Span- uh, it's I don't know, probably Spanish. It's, yep. I mean, it is all of the subject areas that are, are dealing with this. Um, one of the other areas would be the social skills. Um, and I think we just need to, like we are both believers in this, that idea of it is important to academic learning. Like you have to, kids have to be 
in a place to be able to learn in order for that to be effective, in order for them to actually learn. Yeah, and so um, we had that, again, that same kindergarten teacher say that many of her students are struggling with so, with school and social behaviors, like how to play with others, how to speak to an adult with more than a yes or no answer, how to take turns, and how to listen attentively. For many, school this year is one of the first social experiences outside of the home away from family. Yeah, and again, we hear it all the time that, you know, our district hired someone specifically to deal with some of those social emotional um, kinds of things. And so we hear it all the time that kids are just not in the same social, uh, they don't have the same social awareness, same social skill sets that they had, again, at some point where we, at least where we think they should be at third grade, fifth grade, eighth grade, whatever grade level that is. Yeah, and I mean, this was interesting because she's talking about students who would have been introduced to social situations much earlier, right, at least a couple years earlier, perhaps. We're seeing the same thing with students who prior to, you know, COVID had lots of social experiences, but that gap has really affected the way that they know how to deal with them. And bringing some of those things that happened when they were away from people in a physical space, you know, now when you get back together with people in a physical space, how you're going to work those things out. So I mean, I think we're still seeing those social impacts um, at much older ages as well. Yeah. Um, we did see some responses that really were positive, mm-hmm. uh, some strengths that came out as a result of the pandemic or what we see moving forward. Uh, We had a high school teacher who said, my response might be different than others, which is funny that she started that way because I think her assumption was, oh, everybody else is going to have these kind of negative Mm -hmm. responses. Uh, She said, I see a lot of positives in my room. The students appreciate being able to work in small groups with each other. I feel like they're happy to be together and working alongside a teacher rather than from home, a Google Meet or online learning. They're better at using their iPads in creative ways and then for submitting work. And again, back to our our kindergarten response, um, kind of piggybacking on the high school answer. She said, quote, nearly all of my students know how to use technology like plug in headphones, take a picture, turn on or off the iPad and adjust volume. In years past, I had to explicitly teach these skills over multiple times. This year, I've introduced it once, and many already knew how to use their iPads. So that positive in technology use or becoming much more acclimated to technology at an earlier age seems to be a a response here. Yeah, and so, I mean, we could spend, like we could do a podcast episode on each one of those big areas. Um, I think the question becomes then, and and you, the listener, might be going, okay, yeah, 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 we know about that. We've read this. We've heard it. It's doom and gloom. What do we do about it? And I I think the best way, we're going to offer some suggestions. We're going to look at some ways that others have tried to deal with this. I think we can agree, though, there is not a one-size fits all. Um, And that's especially important to understand when you bring in the equity component it has, you know, there are some areas that the existing gaps were widened and particularly with the most vulnerable populations. So um, we're going to kind of look at like those structural things and then those individual classroom kinds of things. 
Yeah, there are some structural fixes, uh, fixes in quotes that um, have been suggested, longer school days, longer school years, um, and this idea of intensive tutoring also. And oftentimes the school districts using the money that was um, provided through COVID relief for these tutoring situations. Found it interesting in an NPR article um, that talked with several different superintendents and multiple superintendents emphasized that tutoring efforts in their districts were forward-looking rather than backward. So not putting people in place to go over old material, but to support students as they move forward through new concepts. Um, And one uh, superintendent said, quote, we don't want to remediate we want to accelerate learning. Yeah, and this gets into that. A couple of things going through my mind. One is that longer school days. Long, like, I'm not sure that's the answer. Like, just doing more. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I haven't researched that enough, but I think we're going to find that if kids are struggling in school, that is seven hours, is eight hours going to make them struggle less. Well, I don't. Yeah, and in the same way that longer school year, it was interesting to talk about how we we really need to, in some ways, people will make a case where we need to change our perspective on this idea of the summer slide, right? And challenge what we've always thought of um, yep. as the occurrence that happens there. And maybe we're not quite looking at that, you know, the, the most, it, with the most accurate um, picture. So yeah, I would agree. Those don't seem... Well, one, they're outside of any individual's control, our control, right? That That's more of a structural Correct. thing for the powers that be. And so we want to focus on those individual classroom things the individual teacher can do within a building. Um, and I, we're not going to lie, it's challenging. I, I wish there was a recipe for um, fixing this. I will say it made me think back when we first started putting this episode together. I was like, oh, the one-room schoolhouse by Saul Khan. Um of Khan Academy. And the quote that I pulled out of his book, um, the good news is, however, that once identified those gaps could be repaired. And when the shaky foundation had been rebuilt, the kids were able to advance more quickly. Now he's talking about um, this idea of, you know, we're going to give Khan Academy to fifth graders and we're going to start them all the way back at the kindergarten level and what we found is, or what they found is that those kids progressed more rapidly than ones who just started with the fifth grade curriculum. And the, the theory was, he calls it Swiss cheese holes. They, those things were filled in. And so I think one thing we can keep in mind as a classroom teacher is once we start figuring out what students need and we can target those things, maybe we'll find that the tortoise actually does win the race, that it looks bad and bleak now, but maybe it won't be so bad in the future. And I think another thing that, especially given that, and in connection with the, uh, the, the quote about, we don't want to remediate, we want to accelerate learning, those seem to be um, butting heads, right? And so teachers, I think, often feel the pressure of, I'm being told, especially, you know, in our current initiative and standards-driven classroom work, um, that I need to focus on my standards. What do, what, what's my responsibility with my students and, you know, trust that others before me and others after me are going to do their work with their standards that can feel at odds with this idea of, well, how do I fill in the holes in the Swiss cheese? Right. And so it's not easy. Um, we have to, I think, find a way to, again, 
teach the students who are in front of us. And, you know, you had made a point, Don, when we were talking that to teach an 11th grader as if they're an eighth grader, that can be demoralizing. That doesn't meet them where they're at. That can be insulting in some ways yeah. to them. Um, so we need to, to deal with that 11th grade standard, but figure out, like you said, where let's pinpoint those gaps in skill sets and let's find a way to fill those in or address them within the context of that 11th grade standard. Um, because otherwise we create more gaps over yep. time. And this really is the challenge that that can feel insurmountable. I think we are in a district where we have some resources and we always, part of this podcast is always wanting to remind teachers of what resources are out there. Because I think sometimes we forget as we're, we're moving through the day to day. So um, our team leaders, our department heads, our curriculum specialists, our instructional coaches, those are our resources that are out there in order to, to help figure out how do I tackle this challenge? Yeah. And I don't know if you said it, but teachers from lower grades. Oh, absolutely. Like yeah. Being Especially able Especially in this case. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Let's find out. Now, notice I didn't say the grade above. Right. Like we, we need to start looking down, like what are those things that um, we can get from those colleagues in those lower grades? And ultimately, I think patience and professionalism has to be extended to the experts in the classroom. Right. Going through this challenge, we have to treat teachers as the experts and the professionals that they are and allow them to make the decisions that are right for their students that are that are sitting in front of them on a day to day basis. Yeah. And I um we were trying to figure out the way a fifth grade teacher respond and we were trying to figure out where to put his um, comment and it was homework completion is much more difficult after COVID and the flexibility options that we had and we didn't know I, like it, it's interesting to break that apart because it almost appears that whether it's true or not that flexibility has been taken from this teacher and I, we can't really speak to that, but it is that idea of if as a teacher, you feel like, in this case, a homework policy that is not as strict or stringent, whatever word you want to use, I no longer have flexibility. That's something that I think it's worth looking at as the principal, which then actually gets into that next thing, which always being reminded that your scores, map scores, your test scores, your test scores, it, it's, that's not, it's not going to help. It's not because yeah. ultimately we have those group of students that are in front of us. And it made me think about a teacher that we have in our district uh, that I came into the district with who, Darren Hurst, who said, you can't fatten a pig by weighing it. And I, re I mean, I, that stuck with me because that's what we have to, I think that's what we have to avoid in this situation is just, okay, they're behind. Let's just keep testing them. Let's just keep testing them. Yeah. And I, I think as we move into our reflection questions here, the, the more I looked at this particular topic, the more applicable I thought it became to life outside of education as well. Certainly important for educators, but also we can make that, that uh, transition to just as we exist with, with people outside of our classrooms. Um, and there was a quote from a Washington Post article entitled, What Learning Loss Really Means. And it said, quote, children will learn most and best where adults around them believe in their ability to learn, create reasons for learning, and provide opportunities for meaningful practice. And uh, it just made me think that we all really thrive in places where we are believed in. 
And so let's not let the narrative of failure define us and color every place that we're heading in the future. Um, and ultimately, you know, we need to, in life, meet people where they are rather than where we wish they were. Yeah, and we've talked about this a little bit. Um, like, I think about the class I was in through elementary school. We were the bad class. And we, I knew I was the bad class. Like, it was told to us all the time, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. With you. We, we don't want to create a generation of kids who are behind. Yep. Like, we have to figure out how to approach that. So... As we close here, um, three reflection questions this time. Uh, the first one, what can you learn from teachers in grades before yours that might help you meet your students where they are with academic and social skills? Secondly, what is one specific way that you can be intentional about teaching the students in front of you this year? And lastly, is there an area in your life that you've resisted meeting people where they are? What would happen if you chose to lean into to them where they currently are rather than where you wish they were at. One of our main goals of this podcast is to create meaningful connections. If you'd like to share your responses to the questions, we'd love to listen. This can be done through the Google form that we have linked through the public site on Anchor or through Anchor's voice response option. Additionally, consider sharing your thoughts with a colleague or an instructional coach to open up meaningful dialogue. We have enjoyed taking this journey with you through the educational looking glass.